This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today I've got with me Andy Simpson. Hello, Andy. Hi, folks. Take two on the podcast. For those not privy to how this has all gone so far, we're, we're doing this for a second time after uh, technology tried to beat us and stop us doing this, but here we are, recording a podcast, and everything's well. Um, do you want to tell the world why you're uh, on the podcast, Andy? Yeah, so um, I'm making a short film called Water Babies, uh, which is due to shoot later in the summer. So at the moment, we are crowdfunding um, to raise the remainder of the budget so that we can shoot in a few weeks' time. All right. So what's, how, much are the, how much is the budget you're trying to raise? Uh, the budget is £7,900. Okay. And if I go and look at the site, which I will, I'll put the link to the uh, crowdfunding page in the show notes... Um, the pie chart on it shows me that, um, and just for the folks listening, this is how far we got, so you realise we're not re-recording the whole show. Um, yeah. on, on the pie chart, it shows us that the vast majority of that 7950 is going to be going on crew. So what, what, what is, what's, the, uh, what's the logic there with that, with that much being allocated to just crew? Yeah, so there's um, quite a sizable like chunk on on the crew there. It's a bigger spend than any of the other kind of sectors, mm. um, and that is because we've done um, the kind of freebie thing earlier in our careers. And my previous films have done that, where it's been volunteers helping. Um, but now we feel we're at a stage where we think we should be paying crew um, the living wage uh, levels. Um, so we've got a very small crew, um, but a, a very dedicated one. Um, but um, so there's there's not going to be huge numbers of people there. It's just that um, once you start paying some wages for three days, and that takes up quite a chunk of the budget. Mm. So, um, so how long? What, how long? What's the what's the closing date for the crowdfunding to finish? Um, so the campaign runs until the 16th of August. 16th of August. Um, so we're, yeah, we're almost halfway through the campaign now. All right, well, so we're currently talking on the 31st of July. Um, so if it closes then, um, you've, you've, you've chosen a crowdfunding service I've not heard of before. It's crowdfunder.co.uk. Why did you choose that particular one over the, I mean, I'm guessing 
from from a more general point of view, the more well-known would have been Kickstarter or Indiegogo. So what, what was it that appealed about this one? Yeah, so we, we did look at Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Um, the crowdfunder.co.uk one is something that uh, Creative England use. Okay. Um, the, the film from the Creative England, so they use that through their iShorts program and um, I think some of the, the iFeatures programs and things. So we thought it would be one that a lot of filmmakers would be involved with mm. uh, or have knowledge of um, through it being used for British independent films a lot recently. Mm. Um, and because uh, Water Babies have been shortlisted by Creative England, um, the people of the crowdfunder uh, were kind of very open with us and they gave us all the support that they'd given to the Creative England backed projects so the ones that Creative England chose in the end yeah. um, got a, a lot of support off Crowdfunder but then Crowdfunder have offered that to us as well um, so they've kind of had we've had lots of phone calls with the, the guys in the team there um, advice um, examples things like that and um, so that was one of the reasons was the level of support that like personal support that would be offered um, and also um, the kind of the fees and the arrangements were a bit more favourable as well. Excellent, excellent. So, what's what's the? I mean, j- just just generally speaking, what's the, what's the rules with crowdfunding? Do you have to you have to raise all of it, or whatever you raise, do you get to put towards making a movie? Yeah, it, there's kind of two models on that, so they're both true. It just depends which model you choose, really. So, um, Kickstarter has um, an all or nothing mm. model. Um, Indiegogo gives you an option um, to do all or nothing or to keep what uh, you earn. Mm-hmm. Um, and as does Crowdfunder UK, with the one we've chosen, an all or nothing or keep what you earn. So we've chosen to keep what you earn. Um, but still, I think we've got impetus to, to make it happen for that budget. But we'd rather, um, you know, if we just fell short, we'd rather have that money and then... Um, would be able to shoot the film and it might be a delay in post-production then as we raise the remainder of it but um, we'd rather have that money to work with rather than losing it all and have to start again from scratch Alright, so this, this is kind of differentiating between the money that's needed to make a film, which is shoot the thing and then there's the, the stage that's very separate from shooting the film which is the post-production phase, yeah? Yeah, so they are kind of two distinct phases. The yeah. budget we're trying to raise will cover both. Mm. Um, but if we were to fall a little bit short, then we'd probably plan to to at least get it in the can um, and then try and find alternative financing arrangements for finishing it in post-production. Okay. Now, one of, one of the obviously one of the, um, the, 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 the enticing things about um, crowdfunding is um, the what you get for pledging money to to a, to a film project or any project for that matter. So what what, what are the degrees of uh, incentive that you're offering and how little can people contribute? Um, yeah, so any kind of pledge is uh, really welcome. So we, the lowest one we have on there at the moment is £5. Pounds. Okay. Um, so if, if anyone's kind of, you know, as, as a lot of people are struggling for money at the moment, £5 pounds would pay... And travel expenses for a crew member for the day, which right. is, it all adds up and it all helps. So five pounds is really welcome. But, um, we've kind of a popular one we've had is ten pounds, which again isn't too much money, but, um, that's the one where we'll give you a digital copy of the film. So people who've been interested in the film will go, I'd like to see that. Mm-hmm. And then ten pounds will get you a copy of the film and the, um, a copy of 
they've filmed music as well, the score. Um, so that's been a, quite a popular um, reward, that one. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's various degrees as to get... Um, uh, £25 being quite popular as well. And then as they get higher, um, things like associate producer credits, um, visit to the edit and suite so you can come and have your say on the first cut of the film, get your input in there. Right. Um, we've got like tickets for the cast and crew screening, things like that. So that there are kind of various levels there, ranging from, um, quite a few between £5 and £100, and then there's some much higher uh, amounts as well. Okay, so that's the that's the technical side of it, and what you can get if you're putting it. In. Let's talk about the film itself. So, do you want to give us a brief synopsis of what Water Babies is about? Yeah, sure. Um, so, Water Babies is a teen film, um, and we've labelled it as a magic realist film. Hmm. And what the what it's about, what the synopsis is, it's about Molly, who's a really strange and lonely sixteen year old. And she's in the local river baptizing hundreds of kids in there. Um, so everyone thinks she's a bit strange and this teenage gang go to bully her. Hmm. But one of the lads in the gang can't admit that he really fancies Molly. Hmm. So now he's got to choose to stick with his best mates or protect the girl he loves. It's, it's kind of, it sounds atypical and untypical at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I- I think that's kind of what we're aiming for. Yeah. That it's, it, it, it comes from like a tradition of British social realism, mm. um, and, and something, you know, it's a genre that it's still kind of there in the independent world in, in British filmmaking. They're, you know, going through from Ken Loach through to Fish Tank and, mm. um, and, and all, all those films. Um, so it's kind of, it is rooted there, but then, uh, what my work is, I, I like things that are a bit more spiritual, a bit more unusual, a bit more poetic. So it's putting kind of more abstract situations into that realist world or more spiritual or magical elements in there. Um, so it's putting a twist on a traditional genre. Yeah, so I mean, I was interested in that watching your video presentation, this idea of social realism versus, I think you put it, a sense of poetry. What, 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 what yeah. does, can, you, can, you, can you describe that? sort of describe the differences in terms of what that means in terms of what we might see on screen? Yeah, so in terms of what you might see on screen, um, there'd be times when we use slow motion in certain moments that you wouldn't normally see in a kind of verite realism style. Mm-hmm. Um, we will... Uh, there's things such as like the spiritual elements of it or, or come through in kind of metaphor images that are in there. So there's, um, so Molly is in the water and the river mm. and there's kind of, will be sparkles on water coming through there? Um, that one of the shots is kind of so close into that water that it looks like stars floating by. And <laughs> uh, so it looks like, like the heavens and then it pulls back to reveal the river. So you see that it is sparkles on water and then mm. the girl emerges from the river there. So it's kind of, she's coming out of that kind of cosmos, which is within uh, the realistic world that's there, so it's kind of saying that the power within that world. Okay, um, so, so so I mean, you're, you're saying this is with without any special effects. This is you using and then confusing what is what is real and then revealing the reality of it, as it were. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so everything will be there. It's real locations. We've got real um, kids being in it, and and all the extras and things will all be there. Mm. Um, so the and. 
we, we don't think we need to enhance it with anything. It's, uh, we've kind of done some test shots and things, so it's, it's kind of heightening what is there and, and looking deeper into what is already there. What do you think that kind of approach lends the film? What is it? What is it you're looking to achieve in in the audience's reaction to that? Um, so we're hoping that the audience kind of um, really gets behind the characters in the film. So it's not just kind of the style of it; it's the um, it's it's the intentions of the characters, the characters mm. coming together. But it's about um, them learning to believe in themselves, having that self-belief and uh, that kind of mental well-being. Mm. Um, and so what the audience did to, to believe in them and then, and what, and be back in those characters as they learn to believe in themselves. So a lot of the imagery in there, it's kind of, um, the kind of poetic imagery is, is kind of symbolic of the power that's within those characters that they're learning to discover. So they're discovering that, they do have agency in the world and that they can um, be the best of themselves. So mm. a lot of the, the imagery is about kind of hinting at that and symbolising that. Um, now, not, not and it's shown that they are sacred. Okay, okay. Now, not, not that you need to prove yourself to anybody, but just to give the listener a sense of your credentials, you've already got a feature film under your belt, haven't you, called is it Young Hearts Run Free, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I made Young Hearts Run Free uh, quite a few years ago. Yeah. Um, that was my debut feature film. It was made for uh, under £10,000 altogether, mm. and that is a coming-of-age story set in the 1974 coal miner strike. Um, so it was a, a debut. It was the first film I'd made, pretty much, really. Um, I just had one of those silly things where you believe you can do anything and you go out and make a feature film straight away. Well, um, yeah, no. I, don't think so I don't think everybody does that, Andy, to be honest with you, but I take your point. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, more guts than sense, I think. But um, but yeah, but it did it did quite well. So it got some good reviews. Uh, it got three stars in total film. Uh, the Guardian said it was really heartfelt. Um, got three stars in the Telegraph. Um, so um, it was good. It wasn't. I don't think it was excellent. And I'll happily admit that. But it was. Um, it was good. Um, and but, then but, you, but you've been through that it. process, though. I mean, I think, I think the thing is, for people listening, you, and, and the fact you've you, it got recognised in different quarters, which are fairly, you know, they're fairly mainstream windows into the world. There's not, you know, Fred's blog, you know, in Arkansas or something. That's, the, you know, that's the mainstream media in the UK acknowledging your movie. And it was, you say a while ago, it was 2011, so that, that'll obviously seem like an age to you, but that's, that's recent history in terms of filmmaking. Um... So, in terms of that, then, um, why, why, given the experience of a feature film already under your belt, are you making a short film? Is is the short film hopefully the catalyst for something bigger to be born out of it, or is it a story that's written for the short film format? Um, well, that, uh, it's a good good question that, and it, there's kind of a few answers for it. So, this short film was written as a short film in its it's kind of one situation that gets examined and the characters around it um, so it was written as a short film um, but the evolution of the style is something that is leading on to bigger things so um, Young Hearts Front Free didn't have this kind of magic realist poetic style mm. um, and I've made a couple of kind of social realist short films since that have had started to evolve hints of this style but Water Babies is the one that's really going to crystallise that style mm. um, so it and the way that fits into a larger career path is um, 
kind of going back to shorts to do to show this style and uh, a better quality of filmmaking I think but also um, this uh, genre that I'm working within this magic realist teenage drama is the same as a feature film that I've been developing again with Jerry Maguire Pins and Needles who's producing this short film Mm. um, because we've been working on a feature script together called Girl and the Ghost and um, whilst that's been in development a key way to to get to there will be to do this short film and hopefully do some festival awards um, and, and really make the most out of it. Uh, that feature script got shortlisted for a Sundance Lab okay. uh, this year. Um, so the development work we've put in there is, is really starting to pay off. But I think to, to get to there, because um, Young Hearts was good but not excellent, it makes it a it's still a difficult leap to get a second feature made. Mm. Um, and that's um, something that we have, I have found difficult. So all the time I've been developing that feature, we've also been developing this short film to, to be that link that can get us from that first feature to the next one to show this new style and help us move on to the new one. I guess the difficulty is, because it's a visual media, is... is as you're doing now, you're describing something to me, but obviously, once you've shot Water Babies, the evidence will be there for all to see, and you won't need to explain yourself, as it were. Yeah, exactly, yeah, because, um, you know, we've been in meetings where we've described the style, and this is this is what we're aiming for, but um, it's not kind of crystal clear to anyone, unless, unless it's ever, once it's in front of them, they go, oh, yeah, I, I know what you mean now. Hmm. So... Uh, so yeah, it is that kind of vital link. Now, is, I want to get underneath the story now of, of Water Babies. I was interested in some of the detail you, you, you added to it and, and, and specific things you said. So um, you mentioned mental health and the esteem of te- the esteem of teenagers and how yeah. um, how th- that is being affected by what you describe as the early encroachment of the adult world. So what is it about that particular subject that fascinates you? And why do you think um, your film is sort of helping to sort of, I guess, push back on that pressure? <laughs> um, yeah, so um, to earn money during the, the time when I'm writing, I teach during the day. Um, okay. So I work with um, teenagers uh, every day. So it's something that um, I see kind of with my own eyes is that uh, and it manifests itself in different ways, but at the root of it is often a problem with the kind of self-esteem and self-belief like um, and kids need to learn to value themselves and then that helps them reach their full potential hmm. um, so that's kind of the underlying theme of Water Babies is is those kids learning to, to have that self-belief and, and to realise that they are important and they are powerful um, so it's something that I kind of relate to every day and then uh, other things like there's examples of kind of sexualization of teenagers and children, which I think is getting worse, or kind of access to sexually ex- explicit material mm. kind of through through phones and, and things like that. Um, I, th- I think that is a danger and is a problem. So that's something that is kind of brought in to the film as well and how kind of that's been pushed down on teenagers and that, um, we're trying to promote kind of healthy relationships and and positive relationships and um, people being comfortable with their development without um, having it kind of 
accelerated or falsely accelerated by the kind of media and uh, society. No, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because, I mean, I've been involved in a project myself where I'm, I'm writing about a character who's 16, and it's that idea that a lot of people can present themselves very, as very mature and intellectually can understand everything that's going on, but emotionally they haven't got a clue because they're not adults. Yeah, people are just, yeah and they're just not ready for it. Yeah. No. Um, so, but in in a sense, though, do you, do you, I mean, it's it's it, the contradiction in all this sometimes for this for this area is we want children to be children, <laughs> which is a fair enough thing, but then to get them to understand what a healthy relationship is, you're then still ask, you're still inviting children, aren't you, to be seeing trying to understand the adult world at the same time? Yeah, it is. Um... It is difficult, isn't it? And, you know, what do you tell them and how do you discuss it? I, I think, uh, but I do think discussions are part of the solution then. Actually, that, um, and not, and not feeling that there's kind of one way of doing things or that there's, um, everyone's doing the same thing or not kind of getting information from, just from the peers that is, I think having other places to get information and talk to and um, are, are really important. So hopefully Water Babies, we've kind of spoken to quite a few youth groups and things to um, get their input on the script and things. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not really, uh, there aren't big discussions about it within the film, but hopefully yeah. the film will be a platform for people to discuss things later. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. No, I, 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 I didn't for one moment think it was going to be a, a, a <laughs> finger-pointing film telling us how to live our lives because that, that wouldn't be that useful. But I like, I like you thinking there that it's actually the idea of opening up people to the concept of just talking as a way of exploring what other people do because it's, it's the, um, it's the weirdest thing about I think, and it must, I can't imagine what it's like being a teenager in social media. I just can't. Um, it must be excruciating because there's there's a whole there's a whole element of transparency between people now but equally there's still a lot of what you would what is just traditional guarded secrets so you've got this idea of i know this person and because they present themselves this way in social media and then you meet them and then it's confusing because it doesn't feel like the same person you know yeah because it's kind of yeah like uh it's an openness, but it's a, it's an openness that you kind of present, isn't it? That mm. that's been chosen and designed, and it's different, kind of in real life, isn't it? Yeah, and we all uh, are. We all are like that, you know. People have jobs, and I guess I mean you working in a school. I mean, a school is in terms. I mean, you know, we all have our own. We have our own fond or or not so fond memories of what essentially is, you know, lo, you know, Animal Farm, Lord of the Flies, you name it. <laughs> It's, it's pretty, you know, kids are pretty ruthless, aren't they? Um, and it's and a lot of it is just, I guess, is striving to present themselves as adults, like it's a bloody race. Whereas, obviously, as we get older, we begin to slow down and go, actually, I'd rather hold on to some naivety <laughs> as well as as well as understand the world at the same time. Yeah, and it, it is like that. So you see them at kind of different stages of development and and ways things that kind of present. It presents in different ways as well. Kind of, some really want to take control and want to be kind of in charge or in in charge of the class. Some kind of, and that kind of comes from maybe not having some control in the home life. Others um, 
might be similar, but they'll might shy you into the corner, and you get all these different personalities in a school. Mm. Um, so it's really interesting, kind of having kind of seven hundred people to draw from as you're creating some characters. No, totally. So I, mean, I remember doing. I did. I mean, you know, ages ago now, but I did some management training, and it was a big revelation to discover just the different what the difference is between an introvert and extrovert. Now, in a literal sense, we understand an extrovert is loud, and an introvert is quiet. But actually, that's only kind of half the picture. It's the what I learned was that um, an introvert get re-energizes themselves by going off on their own, and an extrovert will re-energize themselves in the company of others. Now, in a school, if you're the kid that goes off on your own just to you know recharge your batteries, you can look like the oddest person on earth in uh, in, that, yeah. in that situation. Yeah, they, look, they could look like a loner, couldn't they? And mm. then that kind of draws people's negative attention towards them sometimes. And yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned spirituality and you've, you've mentioned poetry and stuff. And, and one of the other things that you mentioned, which I thought was a very, and, and to back up your own, um, your own mantra of authentic, passionate and ambitious, is that you, you describe one particular scene in Water Babies as being something from the Bible. Do you want to give um, us some of the thinking yeah, behind yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, so the um, the scene in particular is uh, the main character Molly is in the river baptizing like all these eight year olds and all um, turn up. So there's dozens or possibly hundreds. That's what we're, we're aiming for, mm. kind of on the riverbank waiting for us. So um, we've kind of just used biblical as in a just a descriptive word to kind of describe the scale of of the scene. Mm. Um, and I know that you can kind of draw parallels with with John the Baptist and things like that from from the Bible. Um, but it's not, uh, the film's not kind of explicitly uh, Christian um, or any any religion really. It's, it's that kind of, there's a, a spirituality connected to nature and really just what it's saying is, is that their childhoods are sacred, the kids themselves are powerful and um, if they have self-belief then it's them that are sacred. It's not about um, kind of any sort of God, it's about kind of the best of themselves. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so we've said biblical just for the scale of it, but it's, it, um, it's not explicitly one particular religion. Mm. So how, how, is, how has discussions gone with uh, Jerry Maguire then as your producer? How does that work between you as the person sort of conceiving this and creating it and then him collaborating with you to, to bring it up to a point where you're ready to shoot? How did that work? Um, yeah, so it's it's been going on a couple of years now, probably. Um, myself and Jerry had we kind of begun the development of the feature girl and the ghost, um, kind of off the back of Young Hearts Run Free being in the cinemas. Um, Jerry uh, came along to a screening, and we'd only met like once before in Newcastle. But he came to a screening, and then mm. said, uh, "Oh, we should meet up and just." You know, I'd like to chat to you about what you're doing next. So I said, I said, oh yeah, great. So um, we ended up having a meeting at seven thirty in his house because I was returning from London, mm. and he uh, he cooked he cooked me some breakfast, which is um, nice which is nice. And we just chatted chatted about kind of different ideas and things. I uh, really like Girl and the Ghost uh, feature idea, so we began developing that. And then um, yeah, I, I can't even remember where where the idea came from or, or when we started talking about it. But um, and, you know, we had been talking about 
demonstrating this style and in talking about uh, different scenarios. Um, and then this kind of idea developed. So Jerry asked me to, to put it together in a script. Um, so we've done a few drafts of that script now. Hmm. Um, it's kind of, I don't I'm know, it's one of those things. Like, yeah, yeah. But, and, and I'm thinking more in, in, in terms of how does that collaborate? So what, like, you've told us there how you two of you got working together. So when, yeah. you're, when you're going away drafting a script up, or drafting a treatment up, or whatever it might be. How does the collaboration work then? What does what does Jerry come back to you with, and how does that discussion process work in terms of taking it to the next draft? Is it work? Yeah, so I um, I do all the writing, mm. and um, and then I kind of when I'm happy with it, then I'll send the draft to Jerry, um, and then he reads through. Um, kind of says where we that but you know that most things are working, but he's not sure about this part of it, or mm. you know, think this needs to be clearer, yeah. or these two bits kind of conflict with each other. What are you trying to say with that? Mm. Um, so, um, so some of it can be kind of broader notes. Some are very specific on. You know, I don't like these few lines in this scene. I, I think that's a bit too much, or it. Um, so. Uh, he'll do that and then we um, I kind of go away and, and try to fix those problems and then every few drafts or so we'll uh, bring other people in to have another read when we feel like we're kind of a bit too familiar with it mm-hmm. uh, or or if we feel look we're, we're happy we can't really see any other problems at the moment then um, we'll get someone else to read it so they can spot some problems and then uh, <laughs> I have to go away and fix them um, so, yeah, so we had kind of a uh, we're drawing like other writers that we know just to, to give us a hand and then sometimes we've used kind of script development um specialists as well, professionals. Mm. Um for the for the feature Girl and the Ghost, we've done that a few times. Um and we've also done it for Water Babies short film as well. Um but then it's it's myself who works through those problems and then uh kind of um send it to Jerry and we'll have a discussion of it after that. Okay, okay, okay. Do do you um do you, are you a fan of the uh, of a table read to help you get get your head around the screenplay? Uh, I am, yeah. It's something that um really uh, we we could do more. Of course, once you see it, the kind of people reading the dialogue, you realise you can probably cut the third to a half of it out and just <laughs> sort of start crossing through some lines when uh, and especially when you've got like if it's um, proper actors doing it yeah. real, and they're kind of really getting into it and interacting with each other mm. um, then you realise kind of once once you film that then it's kind of telling the story on its own and that a lot of the dialogue that you thought was necessary isn't because it gets conveyed just by a look between them or, or something like that um, but again I think that's a process that I think anyone who's a writer is you're always told any any time someone reads your script, they'll always tell you that there's too much dialogue in it. And I think, mm. um, especially early drafts, because part of it, you're still in the early drafts, you're still kind of exploring the characters. So you want to see what they would say mm. and just let them go and, and talk. And then you realise, you know, that's helped you form that character. But now that they're formed, you can cut that dialogue out and if a look between them can say as much as those two lines of dialogue mm. and when when you, you you as a director then when you when you're when you're in 
when you're shooting your movies, so the short films you've done subsequent and the and the feature film you've done back in 2011, what what at what stage do you like to begin your conversations with your actors, and how does how does that conversation begin for you? Um, so in terms of rehearsals, it, it's nice to get some rehearsal in, and sometimes that is um, rarely. It's kind of where you're in the room together practicing scenes, but um, I've done that occasionally, like a couple, you know, just a few little moments. But um, I quite often have just telephone conversations, so it's um, we'll just be discussing the script and just kind of things I want them to investigate in the script. So, um, you know, are there any moments in there that they can draw from their own lives in, or is there anyone they know who's similar to that, or has has this any ever happened to them? Or can we think of a parallel situation where they've um, someone's been lonely or left out or whatever? And it's kind of just chatting through, exploring the script in more detail and things that they can be doing as homework before we get together oh. um, so that there's a kind of a life to it. And, and when they're talking about things, that they've got an image behind it when when they're saying it. So it's not just reading lines off a page. It's There's something more behind the eyes there when they're when they're saying those lines um so yeah so so it's not always about practicing it's more just about exploring kind of around the script um and we have lots of telephone conversations really and if, if there's something that they don't really get or they think well what what did you mean by that line then we'll explore it and say well what what could it mean this is what i think it can mean but you might have a different idea um so we tend to do that and then when it comes to the set um, again, you don't, it's not, you don't really get rehearsal times, but I do, well, I call rehearsals are just little squeezing in bits of conversation mm. while things are getting set up. So the main thing I would start with is just, we'll have a chat about, um, what they think a character's objective is in that scene. So what is their character trying to get from that scene? What are they trying to do? Um, so I would probably have a, I might list four or five possibilities and I might have a favorite of those possibilities, they're trying to get that person to kiss them or they're trying to get that person to leave the room or they want their money back or whatever it is in the scene. And um, So there could be kind of wider objectives. It might be about getting money back, but they might, the character might actually want the kiss off the other person, not just the money in it. Kind of um, discuss that. Uh, so I might have four or five options and I might have a favourite there, but if my actor says, oh, well, I think it's this, and that's my option number three, but the actor feels more connected to that, then I'll say, oh, yeah, we'll go with that one then. Because okay. um, he'd rather they had a closer connection to it than you know, what I think it is. If they feel that it's this, then um, and they can connect to that, then that's going to be more realistic. So um, so we have just a chat about that. Well, what do you think their objective is? Oh, they're trying to get this. Okay, let's go for that then. So that when they do the first take as long as they commit fully to listening to the other actor, ignoring the crew and the director and everyone, just putting all the focus on the other actor, then you should get a good take one. Um, You're always going to do something for, you know, another take for camera or whatever. So I think it's important to to not overcook it before you shoot because (laughs) you're you're always going to do other takes anyway. So you want to save some of your notes back for some of the later takes, just get a good you know, authentic take one and then you can start playing with it later. But don't oh, okay. try and put too much on before the first take because otherwise 
it kind of goes a bit flatter after that. You always want to have something to to not say, oh, that was perfect, and you do it exactly like that because then it it's not like moving forward anymore. So you kind of want to have some of their notes left in the tank to add as you do more takes. I see, I see. So you're basically you're, you're constantly trying to give the actor something to react to, even if it's, yeah, even if it's not on the page. Is sort of what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just other things to think about, just so that they're not stuck on. Um, kind of, if they do a really great performance, then you go for another take for safety or or for a camera issue or something. If yeah. you then say, oh, "I want it exactly like that," then their focus will be on, "Well, what did I do last time?" and and they're trying to just recreate that <laughs> yeah, rather yeah, yeah. than actually being in the scene reacting to the other actor. Are you given, um, obviously when you're working on 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 the low budget end of stuff? Um, time is never your friend. Never mind resources um, and money. Um, are you are you someone that likes to block the scene out so that what's going to happen is limited? But obviously that gives a bit of freedom to the actor. Or are you saying go 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 and do the the performance? Um, it depends really on on the scene and on the shot. So I have an idea who's kind of in control of the scene and what the effect of the scene should be. Mm. Um, and so some of those scenes, I've, some, like some of the scenes are, it's about the technical shot. You've got a shot in mind that you want to pull off and you think, well, um, we'll say the scene using the camera. And right. um, so some shots are about the camera movements. <clears throat> a lot of other shots are about the actors and it, you know, it's all a combination of, of, of everything, but there's some way you emphasise the camera more than the actors or whatever. Um, so it just depends on the scene, really. So some scenes I'll have it blocked out with a specific camera moved. Other times I've just kind of said to the actors, oh, look, there's your set, off you go. Mm. Um, <clears throat> sit where you like, run the scene. <laughs> um, and we've, we've kind of done that and then said, actually, it might be better if you stood up on that line and then set the camera and when they stand up, can you pan up with them? Um, and it, so it's come from the actors, but it just depends on what the intention is there. Um, okay. I think sometimes if, you, if you're in a location all day, yeah. then you can kind of um, <clears throat> spend some time in the morning when all the equipment's getting brought in and everything like that. Then just block every scene with the actors and you can give them freedom then. And just oh, okay. stand with the DOP and say, you know, that's what... So this scene, do what you like, and they do it, and you go, oh, yeah, so we'll do, we'll get a wide from you, and we'll do that shot, and then over the shoulder here, and I like that when he stands up, and then you do the next scene. So you can kind of, <clears throat> so I've done that before, where we've pre-planned all the blocking of every scene in that location that day, mm. <clears throat> so that the lighting can then be planned around it. So it might be like, oh, well, when we reverse there, it's better off actually for shoot the next scene first and then we'll do all the reverses at the end or, or something like that. So that can save a bit of time as well where you just spend that hour in the morning blocking every scene for the day all in one go and then your lighting plan can be um, developed around that. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Um, so let's remind people then for uh, for Water Babies, the crown film, which is why we're talking here, um, the crowdfunding campaign is up now, and I'm talking 31st of July, but tell us the closing date for people to pledge money. Yeah, so we've got a campaign going at crowdfunder.co.uk slash waterbabiesfilm, 
and it runs until the 16th of August. Um, so that's when we're looking to get all the pledges in uh, to raise the remainder of the budget. Okay, and when you and if you if you reach that or reach whatever ceiling you reach with with the money you can raise, when when are you planning to shoot it? Um, it's shooting is um, planned for the last week of August. Okay. Um, so we're just kind of um, it'll be a three day shoot um, within that um, kind of week, last week of August. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, well, look, well, thank you very much for your time coming on. I'll put a link in the show notes. And the very best of luck with the uh, with the crowdfunding. Yeah, thanks very much. Really appreciate that, Stuart. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes, and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.